Medical doctors with a holistic approach, Satya Health's passion is to empower everyone to heal from within. Join Dr. Sunny and Shai weekly to turn your life around. We all know that emotional stress can cause so many issues in our life. But did you know that emotional stress is actually the root cause of any health issue that you may be facing? Today we talk about how you can really get to any health issue by addressing the emotional state that you're in. Thank you for joining us today. This is Dr. Sunny and Shai at Turn Your Life Around. And this is part of our inflammation series. And this is a really, really big discussion that we're gonna have today is how to address the emotional stress in your life and what it actually does in your life. So I think if you look at any of the uh, ancestral health practices that have been around for thousands and to even tens of thousands of years, we can see that they all addressed um, the underlying cause of a health condition from an emotional perspective. There was always a component of dealing with what emotions are and how they are affecting our biology in many ways. These fundamental practices have now been adapted to the modern science and the modern science is very clearly showing us how even imaging techniques or other types of testing um, can show how emotions may be playing a role in the root cause of any health condition whether that be something chronic in terms of these debilitating conditions that are affecting millions of people like cancer heart disease diabetes, obesity, or even simple things like acute conditions where, you know, maybe we're having nagging injuries in certain areas of our body. This is all rooted in a source of inflammation, but that inflammation is being triggered by the emotions. So what's amazing now is that all of these ancient uh, healing modalities are getting a new light on them by understanding it from a scientific lens. Yeah, the new science of biofield science is really an emerging new way of looking at the body where we understand that the body actually has an electromagnetic field around it. This is a tried, tested and proven thing where actually even every cell in the body exerts an electromagnetic field around it. Originally, this was sort of almost discarded because it's a subtle electromagnetic field and no one really knew what this was up until about the 1940s where very, very prominent uh, research facilities like Yale uh, and researchers from these uh, prestigious institutions were doing tests on this electromagnetic field. And what they were finding was almost bordering miraculous in some ways where biological tissue would change and there would be a change preceded in the electromagnetic field, meaning there was a change in the electromagnetic field before the biology changed. Now we have an ability to even visualize the electromagnetic field around the body. That's actually something we do in our practice. We look at biofields and by visualizing the biofield, we can forecast, predict, and very accurately determine why the biology may be having certain effects by the changes in the electromagnetic field around the body. So to give you a better understanding and visualization of this, take think of it this way. We are less than 1% matter and we are 
99.999% made of energy. Yeah, so, you know, when you think about what we are truly, it's, it's energy and a lot of that energy can be visualized on the electromagnetic spectrum. This, you know, for the common people will, will be something like light and sound. These are electromagnetic in their nature. And when we actually break this thing down and we start to understand why a lot of these traditional health practices uh, that incorporated mindfulness types of practices work, we can understand how the interplay of those practices happens with our electromagnetic field. So it comes to really understanding a new anatomy of ourselves, a new way of looking at the body through this electromagnetic lens. What a lot of people have broken this down into and what makes a lot of sense for us also is that our, our interfacing with this field occurs actually tangibly in our reality, meaning that our thoughts actually have an electrical component to them. They are tangibly electrical and our emotions actually have a magnetic component to it, meaning they are tangibly magnetic. Our thoughts and emotions create the electromagnetic field around us. They, they change the dynamics of the field and um, change our anatomy in a sense as well. What we know is that when we are casting a thought with a corresponding emotion, we are now putting out a filtration system into our reality where we are signaling to the environment we have a certain frequency of how we are thinking and how we are feeling and we want to match towards that. When we have that match, we have an experience. An experience now gets coded in this electromagnetic field as a tangible thing, a tangible frequency. These frequencies of our experiences stay in our electromagnetic field and are constantly communicating to our body. Our body has very specific receiver sites on it. Now, if you talk to a medical doctor, these receiver sites may be the internal organs like the brain, the heart, the kidneys, the lungs. If you talk to somebody from the Vedic traditions, they may say they're the chakras. It really doesn't matter. The point is, is that these are receiver sites for the frequencies that are coded in our field that occurred originally from our thought and emotions creating experiences. Now, you can imagine if you were to have a very coherent experience, meaning a thought, emotion and experience that was very productive for you, something that helped you grow. Now, that's a nice signal in your field that's telling one of those receiver sites in your body that, hey, look, the environment is safe. It's time to grow. It's time to manifest a biology for wellness. And the opposite is also true is if we've had a challenging experience in our lives, now there's an incoherent frequency in the field telling a receiver site, hey, look, we're not super safe. It's time to manifest a biology for stress. And this is where all of the new science is going in terms of how we actually activate our genome. It's well known that biochemistry alone cannot explain how our genes are activated. It's too slow. Well, the solution actually has come by understanding that our genes are actually first activated at a level of electromagnetism, and then the biology occurs after that. So this is a very big advancement in our understanding of how the energetic body actually translates down into the biochemical body. So example of some coherent emotional frequencies would be 
love, joy, abundance, oneness, and some incoherent frequencies would be anger, resentment, guilt, shame. And you know, these are the incoherent frequencies are actually what activate the genes of illness. Yeah, so these um, are all examples of emotions. And remember, emotions are magnetic in their nature. Emotions, uh, when they get sort of trapped in the body in a certain place uh, that a receiver site is actually in, will create a trapping of the biology. It will create a stressful environment in that area of the body where now genes for stress are being activated as a compensation to deal with what that magnet is trapping in that space. And the word emotion actually means energy in motion because energy is constantly supposed to flow. And when we have emotions that become trapped in our body, energy is not flowing. And then what happens is it physically leads to pressure on the biology leading to illness. There are so many examples of how this is relevant. Where we have come from, obviously from our scientific lens, is looking at some of these bigger, larger institutions that are doing studies on people who understand how to how to work with their energetic anatomy, meaning they understand how to allow energy to flow. Really, these are the ancient practices like meditation. Now, there's been a nice study coming out of University of San Diego where meditators were compared to a group of non-meditators. Each group had samples of blood that were given and a non-infective form, a um, conjugated form of COVID was actually administered into the blood samples of meditators versus non-meditators. And then the results were looked at based on how much fragmentation or breakup of these cells was happening when the cells were infected. Now, it would probably come as no surprise, given what we've talked about, that the non-meditator group would have a lot of fragmentation, a lot of stress on the biology. However, the uh, the meditative group would actually be seen to have less stress, less fragmentation. There's even images of the viral particles that are trying to enter the cells that are just not able to. The the virus was literally not able to enter the sample cells of the meditator group. This is just a, a scientific example of something that we've known empirically for a long time of people who practice these energetic emotional techniques being so much more resilient to stress and inflammation. Absolutely incredible. And it's so amazing that now we have these scientific techniques to actually visualize what our ancestors have known for millennia. Absolutely. So, you know, it's really important to understand this piece um, to improve, obviously, not just your emotional state, but a lot of physical issues that you may be experiencing and starting to see it from this lens, because like we'd like to tell our patients, you know, You can eat the best food, you can, you know, take all the supplements, but if you're not addressing the emotional state, you are not going to heal. Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's very true, even in our own personal lives where, you know, we were, we were doctors working in, you know, a great place in the world and, you know, um, thinking that we knew a lot about health and we'd still be stuck with troubling health issues. And we just 
only until we really started incorporating the understanding of how these mindfulness practices liberate the biology, allow your biology to flow, did we truly develop resilience. And now we can say confidently at this point, these practices are by far the most transformational in terms of our health and our well-being for the long term, especially. A lot of listeners might be thinking, I don't have time to meditate. I can't sit down for even five minutes. The truth is that, you know, when you give yourself any amount of time, you are actually expanding the amount of energy in the day that you're able to do everything else in. It really, really improves your vitality like nothing else we've seen before. There are a lot of ways of doing it too. I mean, meditation is sort of the classic example. Yoga is also part of that sort of meditation complex uh, example. Uh, There are other ways, you know, people who do Tai Chi, people who do um, Qi Gong, even people, you know, believe it or not, who are knitting or people who are uh, going swimming, just working with their breath. You know, there are so many ways of coming into center, coming into the moment and realizing that your power is here when you um, bring yourself into this space. It's really just about activating yourself in the present moment. And we highly recommend if you're somebody who's been sort of on the fence thinking about, do I need a practice? Um, do I not? Go for it. Go get, go get somebody to teach you. Um, pay for this. When you pay, you pay attention. And it's really important to um, just take this step in your health because it becomes so foundational for everything else that you're going to do. That's a really important key is that, you know, getting trained in it. Um, Apps like Headspace and Calm, yes, they're great, you know, but for the long term, uh, going to a center or doing a workshop online and getting actually trained and understanding how to use the power of your breath, how how to meditate, that is really, really important. So there's a lot of people in this world now that are suffering from mental health illnesses. And um, truly, we believe that's the real pandemic. These last two years of isolation, um, social deprivation, and um, you know stress have really caused a huge spike in people's um, mental unwell-being. And what we suggest for a lot of people who are just, you know, maybe a little bit too far removed from taking up a mindfulness practice is really diving into where the um, the psychotherapy world has undergone a complete revolution into. What we mean is that the world of psychiatry and psychotherapy has now understood that talk therapy just does not work. So if you are dealing with some real serious mental health issues and you need a therapist, don't even think about talk therapy. What talk therapy does is reaffirm the same circuitry, same patterns that are going to keep you trapped in that emotional magnet that um, traps the biology and creates inflammation. Where the newer sort of paradigm is moving into is using agents that allow for a release of these emotional magnets that are trapping your biology and then working on the psychotherapeutic levels, meaning then talk therapy will work. What we're referring to specifically are things like ketamine-assisted therapy. If you haven't heard of this, it is very prominent, very much available in places like Alberta. 
Alberta was actually the first province to legalize even psilocybin-assisted therapies, meaning magic mushrooms, um, and using these really sacred plants to um, assist in therapies and improve people's mental health. The data for these are far surpasses any kind of talk therapy, any kind of antidepressant. Actually, psilocybin has been shown in a very large New England Journal of Medicine um, article that just two doses of psilocybin was equivalent, if not actually in many secondary outcomes, superior to taking an antidepressant. So For six weeks. For six weeks. Yeah. And so, you know, this world of mental well-being and, um, you know, using using therapies that are now available has, is revolutionizing. And we're going to see this in the next few years of how much stuff is coming onto the market. Just be ahead of the curve and go into getting some of these newer therapies that are available before um, and, and give yourself a, a, a huge boost in coming into now um, the next level of, of your mental well-being and um, you know maybe then trying to get into a mindfulness practice. We have gone through a journey of trying to understand all of this for ourselves. You know, we've tried so many different modalities of meditation and yoga, and sometimes it just takes some practice, some trying to figure it out, and you just kind of go down a rabbit hole, and it's a really great rabbit hole. So be very patient with the process, and um, it's all going to be working for you. Just know that. Absolutely. So, you know, this is a huge topic and we can talk about this for hours. If you guys have any questions uh, regarding any practices, you can email us at hello at satyahealth.com and or you can message us on Instagram at satyahealth. We would love to guide you in this process. This is a very sacred journey and something that we highly recommend everyone take part in. Next week, we are going to be talking about something more biochemical. Uh, today we talked about how stress activates genes of susceptibility and illness. Next week we're going to be actually talking about genetics and how that plays a huge role in how we um, you know, activate inflammation in our body. So stay tuned. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're Dr. Sanyan Shai with Satya Health. Have a beautiful day. Connect and learn more ways to stay healthy from a holistic lens with Dr. Sunny and Shai on Instagram at Satya Health.